Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Hope everybody's having a great week. We are on the eve of the eve of UFC 286 going down in London. We got the trilogy fight for the welterweight title between Leon Edwards and Kamara Usman. We got Justin Gaethje versus Rafael Fazib and more. It's the first day of the NCAA men's college basketball tournament. So I know people are fired up for that. We're not going to talk about March Madness here on the program. We'll talk a lot about UFC 286 on the show. So let us get right into this. Lots to discuss as always. Let's introduce the panel. First, he is the regal rebuilder of the betting account, the exhibition king, Mr. No Gray Area, one half of the No Bets Bar duo, and much more from MMAfighting.com. It's a great website, isn't it, Jed Mishu? How are you, buddy? Such a, you, you're taking all my lines, Mike. It's such a good website. Uh, good. Happy to be here. 286. Even closer than normal, what with the early start time in England. So no time to waste. Let's get to it. And making his first BTL appearance, you may have seen him on the great Anakin Florian podcast. He's a he's a fixture there. It's from the MMA Takes podcast. The man has been everywhere as of late, and we're happy he can make a, a little pit stop here on BTL. Let us welcome to the program the big gun himself, Brian Petrie. Brian, how are you, sir? Boys, boys, boys. It feels good to be here. I am excited. First time, long time. Uh, and I've been getting a lot of uh, tweets saying that Jed needs a dub. Jed needs a dub. That's what I keep getting. He needs a W. So I might be giving him a nice little layup here. Jed needs a dub here. That's what they've been telling me. I'm That's not why you're I here. I got plenty but... of dubs. <laughs> plenty of I have dubs. The most, I have the most dubs of anyone in the history of this program. I'm doing just fine on the dub count. Gwitter came at me. I said, listen, I'm, I'm going to see what I can do. Oh, just reject Twitter outright. You also have the most L's too. Let's just um, throw that out there too. Yeah, you know who leads the? You know who has the most strikeouts in MLB history? It's Babe Ruth, baby. Dingers. <laughs> I'm hitting dingers. I gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, Jed the Rob Deer. I actually uh, don't know if 11. that's a fact, but it feels like a good a good thing to say. 
I fact believe, check I, me. I, I, believe it. I believed it for sure. Hey, look, Kevin Millar has a World Series ring, so he either struck out or hit home runs, and he did pretty well for himself. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. So, <laughs> First of all, how dare you? All right, let's get into the MMA chatter. Let's start with a... Let's start with a quick recap of this past weekend. We're going to put a, as the kids say, a hat on a hat. We're going to play a couple of games within a game. So first, we're going to play a fun game called Join Me or Fade Me. I just thought of this a few minutes ago. You'll figure this out as we go along. And Jed, you could be sort of the guinea pig for this new game we're going to play. And we're going to start with Bellator 292. We're going to start with Usman Nurmagomedov because he just runs over Benson Henderson to retain his lightweight title. He's on to the semifinals of the Bellator lightweight Grand Prix. The man looked incredible. He's exceeding expectations that I had for him, which were already very high from Jump Street. But there's a debate going on, Jed Mishu, whether or not Usman Nurmagomedov is a top five lightweight in the world right now. In my opinion, Jed, he has a case, a very strong case, but he's not there yet. Because beating Benson Henderson is a nice feather in your cap, sure. Beating Patricky Pitbull is, is a nice name on the resume. He has top five, top three potential for sure. But at this point in his career, I don't think he's there just yet. So Jed Mishu, are you joining me or fading me on this opinion that Usman Namagamadoff, while he's on his way, not quite a top five lightweight just yet? I think I have to fade you, but it's really or wait, you you're saying he's not, so I'm joining you. I'm, I'm saying not he's not. You. Yeah, I'm gonna I think I'm joining you. Uh it's really tough, man. Lightweight is so damn good. And by most the way most people do metrics, he like certainly isn't just because the quality of his wins don't stack up with Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje, et cetera, et cetera. But if he was fighting Dustin Poirier or Justin Gaethje or you know, Matush Gamrot, I, he absolutely could beat just about anybody in the world tomorrow. You know, like there, there is no fighter in the top five in my top five in the UFC's top five and you're in anybody's top five that I would say he does not stand a, a chance against uh, frankly, no fighter that he would be a massive betting underdog to save maybe Islam Nurmagomedov or not Nurmagomedov, sorry, Islam Makachev. Uh, so it's, it's really a question of how you view it. If you are just going on talent, I'd say he's top five. Like from from a talent standpoint, I think he's there already. If you're looking for accomplishment, he ob objectively isn't. But it is only a matter of time. We I forget what program we were talking about it on at the beginning of this year. One of our projection pods, you know who who's going to be the biggest riser, and the the answer was very clearly it's going to be whoever wins the Bellator lightweight Grand Prix. I think that the winner of that will be Usman Nurmagomedov. And if he comes off that, you know, gets three three wins this year, two more wins after the bindo, he is going to be a, I would assume, a universal inclusion in the lightweight top five. So I'm fading or I'm joining you for now, but only for now. Brian, are you joining me or fading me? Usman Nurmagomedov, not quite a top five, but could get there very soon. I'm going to be a little contrary, and I'm going to fade you. Now, if you go and you check my receipts, you pull my Twitter receipts, I have been very critical of the Bellator champions versus UFC. I do think UFC is the better talent, et cetera, et cetera. But watching Usman fight and what he did against Bendo with that kick that he didn't see coming, 
I think he's extremely talented. He just hasn't had the opportunities. Now, let's say he runs through this tournament. I'm assuming he's going to meet AJ McKee in the finals. At least that's what I'm hoping if they if they match it up that way. Because I think AJ McKee is a great talent. And he runs through AJ McKee. This guy's a problem. The only problem I see is him and Islam aren't going to fight. I mean, you want to prove to be the best in the world, you got to fight the best in the world in your division. They're not going to happen. But I do think this guy's got talent. I think he's got all the skills, all the measurables. His striking's good. His grappling's good, et cetera, et cetera. He just happened to be in Bellator where he's running through people. But you give him these top talents, like Jed said, you give him a Gaethje, you give him a Matus Gamrat, you give him a Jalen Turner, I think he wins these fights. And these are guys that we're talking about that are in the top 10, top 15, maybe even top five of the UFC. So I'm going to fade you. I think he's top five in the world talent. Uh, and that's shocking coming from me, a guy who is very critical of the Bellator guys. But, yeah, give me some Usman Nurmagomedov, Madoff, man. Top five. I like it. Yeah, I mean, if if he's either going to fight Shabley or AJ in the finals, and if he beats either of those two guys, he's going to be in my top five. He's definitely going to be in my top five. But right now, I'm not ready to pull that trigger just yet. All right. Here, here's the other part of him that sort of got lost in the sauce of this conversation this past week is, like, he – I guess Sarukian might be younger. I don't remember offhand. He's 24. Like he's substantially younger than everybody else in this conversation that except for Armand Sarukian, who he they're functionally the same age. Like I love Jalen Turner more than most. He's still 27, 28. Like Usman is is better than him already and is much, much younger. Like right. this is his division. Like this is just his in 10 in the next 10 years he owns it yeah surukin's 26 so he'll be 27 in october so still surukin's already 26 yeah I'm holy fine. shit i did not realize he was already 26 so yeah never was two years younger than surukin already like he's daddy's home for the next decade <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's just what it is guys like i don't know what to tell you yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be the man for a while. So, uh, second, join me or fade me question goes to you, Brian, and it has to do with across the way the UFC had an event this past Saturday. Marab Dwalishvili, masterful, dominant performance against Piotr Jan in the main event of UFC Las Vegas. This man, speaking of problems, is a problem, and you can make mm-hmm. a very strong case right now that he's the best bantamweight in the world, that he should be the number one contender for the title. But we have just so much going on at 135. It's kind of a mess with Sterling, his teammate and buddy, getting ready to fight Henry Cejudo. We got Sean O'Malley looming. We got Marlon Varigan ready to fight Corey Sanhagen. So my take, and you can join me or fade me on this, Brian, Marab Dewalishwili, because of the position he is in and where this division sits right now, that at this time next year, Barring some sort of weird situation where he has to slot in on short notice as a replacement or a backup, but at this time next year, he will not have gotten a title shot or even be booked for a title fight. Join me or fade me. Yeah, I got to join you with that. I think he's clear-cut number one contender right now. I mean, I know we got a Mally out there, but I picked Peter Yan. I looked at Ray Longo and his beautiful face and picked Peter Yan <laughs> over Marab just because of what we've seen. I was like, there's no way Yan's going to lose, you know, three in a row, four in a row, whatever you want to call that knee with, with Aljo. And I was like, there's no way, right? And he did, and Marab looked great. He reminded me of Super Mario Brothers when he eats the mushroom. Marab leveled up that fight. I mean, that wasn't the Marab that fought Jose Aldo. I mean, Marab might have lost fans with the Jose Aldo fight. This fight, he gained a whole new appreciation through 400-something strikes, 49 takedown attempts, which is, in, which is insane, showed toughness, was in his face, 
cardio elite. His biggest problem is that his best friend, his main training partner, is the king of the division. Now, Aljo's going to go up, and Aljo may retire. You know, he had the neck thing. We, we don't know. But I agree with you. I think Aljo's going to fight Cejudo, and then I think he'll fight. If the Cejudo fight, if he loses, they're going to run it back. If not, then we got to slide O'Malley in there. But, yeah, Marab's going to have to fight a guy like Umar. He's going to have to fight. He's going to have to fight maybe rematch Ricky Simone again, which no one's talking about because I had a really weird ending. And Ricky Simone choked out Jack Shores last time out. Ricky Simone's a beast. And uh, so there's a lot for Marab to have. So I'm going to join you. I don't think he'll be champion. I don't think he'll fight for a title unless there's an injury, unless, you know, Aljo goes, I'm going to 45. This way cuts a joke. No, thanks. But uh, yeah, I'm going to join you on that one, Mike. Jed, I assume you're going to join me on this ride, but maybe not. No, I'm going to fade you. Um, assuming we're allowing interim belts to be counted as booked for a title fight, uh, I'm going to I'm I'm going to fade you. Look, he's the number two bantamweight in the world, uh, but in the or in the UFC's rankings, I think that's true. I had him three coming into this fight because I was feeling frisky about Umar. Um, but I think most people are just going to have him be the consensus number two behind Aljo. And that being said, he's not getting the next title fight. Like the, the winner of Cejudo Sterling is a thousand percent going to fight Sean O'Malley next because mm -hmm. that's the business decision that you make. And then after that is where there becomes an opportunity for him. It'll depend on some things. If Cheeto beats Sandhagen, I would say Cheeto still probably is in front of him uh, in the title shot conversation. But assuming that fight happens late summer, early fall, the, the next Bantamweight fight after this one that's coming up, there's going to be an opportunity maybe rush one, t squeeze one in in the, uh, in the end of the year in, in the winter or early in the year you know, in 2024 where somebody has to step up. And if Aljo wins both of these next two fights, Aljo's gone. He's going to book it. I think that's been set in stone for a while. And if Cejudo wins both of these next two fights, he's never fighting a Bantamweight again. It's just never going to happen. I've been saying it for years. I don't care about him coming back, uh, broadly speaking, because I know who Henry Cejudo is as a person and what he is. He is in this for the business and I don't begrudge him that, but He's going to fight Aljo because it is a means to an end for him. And now there is a fun big bag of money in Sean O'Malley that also is, is on this journey. But the Cejudo track is Aljo, uh, Sean O'Malley, and then lie, cheat, and steal my way into a featherweight title fight. He never fight a bandweight again after O'Malley, which means they're going to have to do an interim champion or they're going to do a vacant championship sometime next next spring. And there's nobody more deserving at that point than Marab. So if it is Marab versus Cheeto, if Adrian Yanez comes on strong, has a big year with a couple of wins, I think he's going to be either in the vacant title fight around this time next year or the interim title fight while Cejudo's doing Cejudo things. All right, last thing. I, I, I didn't know if I wanted to bring this up, but I'm going to bring it up now because – We've been, Jed, we've been talking about this for, I mean, two years on the show uh, about the divisions and what's the best division in the sport. And then a conversation on the MMA hour, and all of a sudden things have spiraled all over the place. So I'm going to start with you, Brian, because I don't know your yeah. stance on this, but I'm curious sure. to know which division is better. Is the lightweight division the best division in the sport right now, or is the bantamweight division the best division in the sport right now? Because bantamweight's very interesting, it's loaded. There's a lot of interesting things happening, but I feel like lightweight is the Cadillac division. It is the best division in the yeah. sport. But 
I'm willing to hear an argument if you're against that. So uh, are you on team lightweight or team bantamweight? I'm on team lightweight and you can sprinkle me in team welterweight as well. I really like what, what 70's got as well. Jack Della Malena is a stud. That dude's going to be a problem for a while. 170's interesting, but yeah, 155, 135, that's the debate. What's better? You know, 155 has been the catalyst forever. You had BJ Penn, you had the Jens Pulver, just got inducted to the Hall of Fame. They they paved the way for these guys and, you know, Islam. The, the problem with 155, I see is Islam has got this stranglehold on that division. I mean, Vulcan also gave him a good run, but I mean, are we going to throw Poirier in there? I mean, we've seen that kind of with the Khabib fight. Are we going to throw Gaethje? And if Gaethje wins, you know, who's the next guy up at 155? I mean, we got Benny Daryush on the wings. There's a lot of things, you know, Oliveira. Um, and 135 is a little more, I think, wide open with Cejudo coming back. You got this boogeyman, Marab, waiting in the wings. No one knows what the hell he's going to do. He's not going to fight Aljo, but he might fight whoever. You got Cheeto, who's another wild man who's just, you know, loses two rounds and then knocked you out in the third. Like, there's a lot to be said, but I think I'm going to stay tried and true, and I'm going to go lightweight. I think lightweight, to me, I think there's deeper talent pool. There's some guys we don't know about. A lot of, a lot of guys aren't talked about. A lot of guys aren't ranked, but uh, they're both fun. I mean, that's like I mean, that's like picking between your kids right there. They're both very fun to watch, but give me lightweight by an edge. By an edge. Jed, is it, is it this close? Is it by an edge no. for you? I know you're on team lightweight, but... Uh... For those who haven't heard your case, go ahead and state it. Why is Ariel Hawani wrong about this? I'm not here to say that Bantamweight sucks or is boring. It's not. It's the second best division in the sport. I think welterweight is number three, but I think that there's just very clear tiers here. Like this, this isn't a, a real argument to me. Like it's just very – people are just – the reason he, – here's why this is a debate right now. Like honestly, the actual reason people have this is twofold. One, people love new things. Bantamweight feels fresh. It feels new and they are excited and they want to be on the cutting edge of the new stuff. So uh, I'll be counterculture and pick Bantamweight. Bah. And two, Lightweight has a fundamental problem to it that Bantamweight doesn't currently exist with and that in all honesty, it's the problem I've railed against for years and it is that the top of the lightweight division is immobile because partly Conor McGregor really gummed up the works for a long amount of time. But once you are a star at lightweight, you're a star. And so you're not going to fight back in the rankings. They can't make you do that. And so you get Dustin Poirier transparently being like, I'm not going to fight you, Benil Darius. That's <laughs> don't care, don't want to do that or whatever. Like, that doesn't do anything for me. Gaethje is fighting Fazeev. However this fight goes this weekend, we'll talk more about that. Like, Gaethje's not going to be fighting Jalen Turner or something. Like, it is it is intractable at the top, and it takes an act of God to move from 15 to 5 there because of the star power. And so people feel like it's stale. Stale, and frankly, that was half of Ariel's things. Like, look at all these fun title challengers. Like, that's not the, the argument of what's better. <laughs> it's just not a contest to me. Like, top to bottom, it, I, you can pick any structure you want. You want to go top five, you want to go top 15, you want to go top 50. It's just all of the lightweights are, are better. They're not by a lot, but they're just better. It's, I don't, I'll, and I will throw in as the final part of the argument, the thing that has always killed me about it is, you know what makes lightweight awesome that nobody ever talks about? Half of the welterweight top 15 are just lightweights who were tired of lightweight. 
I can't make any traction in this division because it's a freaking shark tank. So I'm just going to move up to 170 and I'll be a top 15 dude. Like lightweight kicks ass to an extent that no other division has ever done. And it's, it, it has every edge over Bantamweight. That is not to say Bantamweight isn't awesome. It's freaking great. Love Bantamweight. I just think it's very clearly a tier below lightweight. Lightweight is its own class. Well said. And shout out to Featherweight, too. I like Featherweight. I don't think Featherweight, featherweight gets enough credit for how deep that division is, too. And we have guys coming up fast. Ilya Taporia, Mavzar Avloyev, uh, and, and Billy, the guys like Billy Q, Sadiq Yusuf. I mean, he might just retire from fighting and just do fight breakdowns because he's incredible yeah. at that. <laughs> and there's just so many Dude. other – I mean, there's so many good Featherweights right now. Fighting should just take place bet- between men who weigh 135 pounds and 175 pounds and occasionally will let the flyweights in too. Everybody else, you're not needed anymore. We found the sweet spot for good divisions. Wow, that was that was a pretty spicy take right there. But let's move on to the uh, to what people want to hear Is about. It? The point – what? Middleweight, light, heavyweight, and heavyweight suck. <laughs> They're terrible divisions. First of all, Brendan Allen, Brendan Allen, the middleweightiest middleweight champion, has has a problem with what you just said, but that's besides <laughs> the point. Uh, let's talk UFC 286. The point for round one goes to goes to Brian Petrie because how dare you, Jeff? Oh. How dare you? Oh. Man, how all dare right. you? Besmirch the name of middleweights light heavyweights and heavyweights i just wish they're all like fine fighters i just wish they weren't in the co-main event every single fight card but be that as it may intel is the spark for the dreamers who do those with ambitious out of reach ideas begging to become real solutions they share a vision for how our world and our lives can thrive when bold thinking meets strong silicon they dream of a life with no diseases of cleaner greener more reliable energy through the power of supercomputing. They dream of trust and privacy for all, of advancing and expanding education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to build something better, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com starts. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smart Water Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smart Water Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Uh, let's move on to 286. Let's move on to the main event for the welterweight title. The trilogy fight between Leon Edwards, the new champion, defending against the man he defeated in August in one of the craziest moments in the history of the sport, Kamara Usman. So, Brian, I'll begin with you because there are a lot of questions on both sides. What are you laughing at, Jed? I just, the fact that you were just like, they're all fine fighters. And it didn't feel like you meant that even because it's not even true. They're not all fine <laughs> fighters. <laughs> They're all fighters. They're all fighters. But hey, listen. come on. Come on. I mean, look, there's a big middleweight fight coming up at 286. And I'm sure we're going to talk about it. But uh, Brian, a lot of questions on both yeah. sides. 
coming out of this fight yes. was I mean we talked about the the kick heard around the world Leon was winning every second of that fight Kamar Usman coming back after a knockout loss something he's never had to deal with before he's going across the pond now enemy territory to fight Leon Edwards who's coming off the biggest moment of his career and these are just two of many questions so Right mm-hmm. now, two days away from this fight, what's the biggest question you have about it? What is the biggest point of contention for you? Is it on the Kamar Usman side or is it on the Leon Edwards side? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I think I'm going to lean Usman because we, we've been around the sport. We've noticed when guys get knocked out, it changes them. And the way he got knocked out, I mean, he was unconscious. Fifth round of fight, he was winning. World title fight. You know, he's not the youngest guy in the world, you know. So that is going to be, is he gun shy? Can he take a shot? Because he's not the most defensively sound guy. He goes in there, he takes shots. You know, he got hit over 100 times by Colby. You know, this is, he lays his chin out there. Can he take a shot? Can he withstand it? Can he not get rattled by it? Because once you know you got that light switch switched off, you know, he's now know it can get switched off. He's, he's human. You know what I mean? That's, he's proven to be human. So my biggest takeaway is, is how Usman is. But the thing I love about Marty Usman, Kamar Usman, is, is his mental. I've been, I've been riding with him from day one. I've literally, he used to be a max bet for me every time he fought. Obviously lost last time, but you know, he's already paid me enough money we're okay with. But this is the one fight that's given me pause because it's in London. Leon looks diced up. I mean, the Instagram pictures of him, he looks shred city. He's coming into shape. I don't see Leon laying an egg. We get this whole narrative of the altitude in Salt Lake City or whatever. You got Kamar Usman who trains his altitude. Now he's at sea level. I don't think the altitude is going to bother him. His cardio is great. I think Leon was just flat that night and landed a great kick. I'm not going to say lucky. That's not, a, that's not a word I use. It's a great kick, great kick technique. But I'm worried about his mental coming in. But then you hear the interviews he did with Michael Bisbing and you hear the countdown show. I feel like he's okay. You know, I can only read so much into it. I don't know the guy personally. I've never had a conversation with him. But is he going to be gun shy? Is he going to wrestle more? I know he can't stay in that distance with with Leon. Um, but, you know, I, I I guess, you know, I lean towards Usman. Is he going to be able to get in there and have that fire and be able to willing to exchange shots with knowing that he's been put out before? Jed, what, what do you think? Because statistics lean towards Leon. Every other sort of weird factor goes towards Leon here. I feel like Leon is kind of like the people's pick in in a lot of respects, some for the fighting style and some just because of the momentum and things that are happening here. But at the same token, these guys have fought twice and Kamar Usman has won like 95% of the fights between these two. But history is on Leon Edwards' side when it comes to rematches and immediate rematches and champions trying to get back the title they just lost. So a lot of factors here. What's your biggest question? Is it on... The Usman side, the Edwards side, or maybe the historical side? My biggest question is, did you listen to Nobet's Bard already this week? Because that's basically like exactly what I said. <laughs> it's just uh, my question for this fight. I, I actually don't really have a huge questions about Kamar Usman um, coming into it. I think he's just going to be the same. Um, the way he's talked, the way he's carried himself, that dorky shit he says for his whole career, I'm the best because my mind is stronger than everybody's else. Like, it's super lame, but it seems fairly true. Like I don't think he's going to come in gun shy or have those issues. Uh, I I think the simplest answer is is what we it, it is the easiest one usually, and the simplest answer for me this time is Kamaru Usman is a better fighter. 
it's very, very difficult to succeed uh, in MMA. The margins are very, very small. Leon Edwards was well-prepared, scouted an, an opportunity, took advantage of it, and caught Kamara slacking a little bit. And full credit to him, that does not take away from the win. But I do think that if you fight that fight X amount of time, 10 amount of times, you maybe get that outcome twice. And so odds on, I think Usman should be favored, should come in here and should do what he did for most of the second fight while dodging the head kick. My main question is about Leon and what Leon looks coming in. I, I, I've heard some talk about like, okay, he can come in with more confidence. I think that that is critical for him here. Like I, he was, was losing that fight. Like everybody is, is in a firm agreement. Dean Thomas wrote, wrote him off was like, yeah, he's broken. He's just done. And then he lands the head kick. And even the head, even the manner that it happened in was awesome and triumphant, but it was not, he did not show urgency at all. He was still just doing the things that he believed in, I guess. And that paid off for him, but he has to fight with more urgency because doing that same shit got him tuned up for 20 minutes of that fight for the most part. So my question is if he will come in with a renewed confidence, if he will look back at that fight and, and recognize, look, I can't do almost any of the things that I did in the rematch because I was losing for, for big long stretches of it. But what I can take from that fight is that I'm the more dangerous fighter than Kamar Usman, which I did not think going into the rematch that that was true. But I mean, you just look at how that fight played out. Usman ran the show for much of it, but Leon obviously knocked him out. And in the first round, Leon's the one who got to a dominant position with the threat of a fight-ending technique. Usman never had that. And so I am fascinated to see how Edwards approaches this because I cannot for the life of me imagine he's going to come in viewing this, that he can just do the same thing and think, think that he can reasonably have success but I don't know if we're going to see him be more aggressive with his striking. If he's going to try and push, push Usman backwards more. Cause that's obviously where he succeeded. If he's just going to, for lack of a better words, chuck him, like just be like, all right, let's sit down and let's go. I think that that would benefit him, but also maybe he just takes from it confidence that I can, I can pull this off at any time. I don't have to get aggressive. I don't have to get out over my skis. I can let the fight come to me which I think would be really bad, but we'll, we'll see. So my questions are entirely about uh, Edwards' approach to this, what he's going to look like, because I think we're going to get the exact same Kamar Usman we've had for the last four years. I don't think anything will change in his approach to this fight. One of my big questions, and you know, obviously we host the matchmaking show, so we think about different things, but on heck of a morning, so many questions I've been getting this week and last week, Jed, about this fight is, where does Kamara Usman go from a win or a loss? And we'll get to some of that in a minute. But what people aren't really asking about that I'm interested in, Jed, is Leon Edwards is in a really interesting spot himself because he lands the kick heard around the world, got such a boost from that. Now he's headlining in his home country. Obviously, a very it's a massive deal for him. If he wins, he is in an incredible position. Fresh matchups. He gets to be a freaking prize fighter. He gets to kind of pick his poison in a lot of respects. He could end up defending the title against Jorge Mazadal next if Mazadal beats Gilbert Burns because of how things have been set up. 
But the question I have is, and it's a negative one, what if he loses here? What if Leon loses this fight? Because it took him forever to get a title shot to begin with, passed over time and time again. And while a loss is very is pretty devastating for Kamar Usman, is a loss devastating for Leon as well? Like if he loses this fight to Kamar Usman, where the hell does he go? Um, I haven't really thought about it. It's interesting. It's I don't it's devastating because it will devastate him. I don't think it's devastating in the long arc of his career, right? Uh, if Leon wins, I am a lot less sure than you seem to be about his opportunity to be a prize fighter um, because that requires the UFC to view you as a prize fighter and uh, to play along that game. I think there is a world, certainly, where if Masvidal can somehow beat Gilbert Burns, then yeah, they'll probably do that. That's good business. But if he doesn't, then Leon's probably <laughs> fighting Shavkat or Hamzat. And that's uh, not my definition of prize fighting. <laughs> Getting your ass beat and losing your belt is not how I would say being a prize fighter goes. But if he loses, I think that it's okay. One, you can never take back. He's champ forever he gets to say i was an undisputed legitimate ufc champion you know you get to be called champ by all the guys at the gym forever you that's that's on the wall forever you can't take back what happened at was that 278 yep whatever event that was you can't you can't take that back he also probably will end up going into the ufc hall of fame um which was by no means a certainty but if not as a fighter, then, you know, the greatest comeback, greatest head kick knockout in the history of the UFC probably will get him enshrined there uh, in one way or another. So all of that is kind of house money. And if he loses, it will suck. It won't be great, obviously. Fortunately, you already pointed out uh, that there's still the Hori Masvidal thing baked in. And you just go right to that. Because Hori's going to get his ass beat by Gilbert Burns. So then you can finally just do that. And that is a fight that can co-main event a pay-per-view, headline a fight night, certainly. Um, maybe you do it just in London. Obviously, the scene of the original crime, you can just run that back. So he'll have options, particularly because he can stay in the title conversation. Because it, I think none of... I think it's a long shot to believe Usman has that much more left in him. He reclaims the belt. Maybe he fights a couple of more times in this division, but do we think he's really trying to come here and fight against Hamzat and Shavkat and Bilal Muhammad? And I think he's got bigger, bigger fish to fry. The Edwards fight was a setback for his overall plan and journey. Uh, that's how he's viewing it. And so if he can get his belt back, then maybe he can get back to, I can go fight at light heavyweight or whatever. So box Canelo. So I, I think Leon has some options, even with the loss and he won the fight that mattered. So it will suck for him and it would sting, but you can't take away what happened and that moment will live forever. And so he'll ultimately be okay. Now, that's a good way to look at it. And just kind of meant the you know, in the overall title picture, if he loses this fight, like, cause I think Shavkat is a, is a very strong option for him. If he loses, they just like, all right, well now you can go fight freaking Shavkat. And who knows if Usman loses and we'll get to that in a moment, but what's at stake you for Leon Edwards here, Brian? Don't what what if, what if, what if Leon loses this fight? Cause where does that put him in the overall landscape of this division? Cause he had the moment, 
the UFC is riding that wave all the way into the UK right now, all the way into this big event, but it took forever to get on that wave and to get on that surfboard with him. So how devastating would a loss be here if he drops the belt before defending it? I think it's pretty devastating. I'm not as optimistic as Jed. I think you got the Jorge fight baked in, like he said. But other than that, does Leon Edwards really want to go through the the ringer at 170 again? I don't really see a fourth fight with Usman being all that appealing to many people, especially if Usman wins this fight. You know, uh, you know. And uh, another conversation is you know, Jed just completely dismissed all the middleweights. You know what I mean? That they're all trash corn. The Jed. So and Leon Edwards is a big guy. He's six two. He's lean, but he's big. I mean, pop up, right? I mean, you know, one seventy is a Shark Tank. Pop up to eighty five. You might match up well. I mean, you know, he's not a small guy. Add a little size. Got a little bit of waist, but he, you know, is pretty lean. Um, but I think this is pretty devastating. I think this is this this is a big thing. I, I hope he doesn't come out and, and is, is just happy that he's been a champion and now he can just do whatever he's young enough he's talented enough but i think that besides the worry fight i don't think there's much at 170 besides just he's gonna get stapled with that big gatekeeper stamp you know and i, I don't think that's him i think he's too talented for that so maybe a change of the visions you know i uh but yeah i think uh i think it's a pretty devastating loss for leon edwards oh and then see you're okay. you're factoring in old leon there's a dividing line here <laughs> Leon won the belt. That's no, like that's like a substantially matters because instead of being the dude, no one likes and they don't want to give him a title fight. Now he remains in the, like he will move to number one in the rankings and he will be former champion Leon Edwards, which will functionally put him not as long as Kamara stays there because Kamara won the rivalry, but it will functionally put him one fight out of a title shot. It it will not ever be the same for Leon and I have to win eight more to get back to this. It's okay. I'll go beat up Hori Masvidal for the money. And then if Kamara's still there, maybe I fight Colby. If Colby ever fights again, like he gets those fights now. Winning the belt was enormous for him for a hundred different reasons, but it's it gives him that baked insecurity now where he doesn't have to go back to being, I'll be the guy who fights Sean Brady or whatever. Right. I'm just, I got the Johnny Hendricks in my mind. Remember Johnny won the belt, he finally won it, and then he just disappeared. Lost well, the rock. Johnny, Johnny dived just, off a cliff like I mean? a living... <laughs> Hey, listen, like I want the strap. I got it. That's what I keep thinking with these guys who want all they want is the title. I want to be champion. Now they're champion forever, and they take that nosedive. You know that. Let's not have a Johnny Hendricks. I, I don't want to per- curse Leon Edwards, but I do think you, you know he does have the distinguished of being champion. But you know that can that could sell in any division. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think it's a big win for Leon Edwards this weekend. I really do. Well, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if that does happen, that means Kamara Usman has to fight somebody, Jed. So is it Bilal? Like, because like you could throw Hamzat's name in there. Somebody? You think he's just done? Why is it? Yeah, he's done or he's moving up a weight class. I, I would venture to say it's more likely he moves up a weight class, um, depending on the outcome. <clears throat> I I think either way, how it, either way for Usman. Uh, his next move will largely be dictated by what happens uh, at 287. If if Pajero beats Izzy again and Izzy's no longer the middleweight champion, I think we're probably going to see an escalator movement here. Izzy, Izzy will now be well back in getting another middleweight title fight um, with Pajero in charge. He's talked about moving up to 205, but doing it the right way, putting on the weight. I think we'll probably see Izzy at that point just say, all right, let's... I don't know what else to do. This seems like a good move. We'll we'll do that, uh, which then opens the door for Usman to be like, cool, 
now I can bump up and I can avenge my buddy by by trying to be the guy to beat Alex Beheta. I obviously can grapple, which is the book at least on, on Beheta. If Usman loses, why in God's name would he fight like Shavkat or Hamza or like if if he just needs the money or wants to do it? But before Edwards, he was talking one foot ish out the door, and that's why I said like to me. He came into the Edwards fight thinking that that would either be his last or his second to last welterweight fight. Maybe he would have fought Hamzat, but he was then going to try and chase something bigger to end his career on a high note. Edwards kicked those plans to the dirt. Now he's trying to reclaim the belt, but I believe that he will view that as a side quest functionally, and then he can go back to the bigger plan. So if he loses, I just, is he going to fight Bilal Muhammad? Why? To what end and purpose? Like I just, he's either retiring or he's moving to middleweight. I feel I'd bet money on that. Are you, are you as confident in that, Brian? I just don't know if there's like, like if Usman beat Edwards and continued the streak in this conversation about mm. whether or not he's the best welterweight of all time. And by the way, even if he had beat Leon Edwards, he's still not the best welterweight of all time. He's the mm-hmm. second best welterweight of all time. If he goes out there and just beats Leon, is there going to be like? a public want for him to move up and fight Pereira or Adesanya. Well, he's not going to fight Adesanya, but to go fight Pereira or go fight Jamal Hill or go up to zero five. Like, I just don't know if the need is there. I don't think people will be clamoring for that. Do you? No, I, I, I don't think so. Remember the stare down with Jan? You know, he's going to 205. He's the same size as Jan. You know, that was, that was a talk. I won't find my buddy Izzy. Jed made a good point. I do think if Izzy loses to Alex again, then yeah, there is a need for, or for Usman to move up maybe get a double champ status or whatever, you know, two titles, two different divisions and kind of call it a career because the knock or the big rumor on Usman, I don't know how big a rumor this is, is he's got no knees. His knees are shot. Like his knees are bad. Apparently, you know, he tells everyone that everyone reports it, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, I think Bilal was next at 170 for sure. I don't think Usman would take that fight. I think Usman might be like, all right, I'm going to sit out for a little bit. I got my revenge. Maybe I'll go to 185, maybe I'll go to 205. But, yeah, there's not much of a need for that, I, I don't think. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm mean, i a hardcore fan. I love the sport. I mean, Usman versus Pereira, I mean, would I, would I watch it? Of course, but, like, it's not something I'm clamoring for. There's plenty of guys at 85 I like to see, you know? And Usman at 170, is he going to run through the Shafkos? Is he going to run through, you know, the Bilal's? I don't know. I think Edwards and Bilal have a nice little thing baked in because of how the first fight went. That, that would make sense if Edwards win. Um, hopefully Jorge doesn't leave for a Bilal because I think Bilal deserves it. But, uh, yeah, I just, you know, Usman's kind of in limbo here too. I think, you know, maybe up to 85 might be the best thing for him or he'll leapfrog that all together and go to 205 because, I mean, he could fight Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill's, you know, he's kind of hot right now. Jamal Hill's a big guy. Usman's not that big of a guy. I mean, he's, he's pretty bricked up, but he's not like the biggest guy in the world. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, he, we'll see what happens. Maybe he'll call it a career. Maybe he'll go, you know what, I got my revenge. See you. I'm out. I don't know. We'll see Saturday. For the love of God, let's not give credence to the nonsense of him moving up to 205. That's just not real life. (laughs) He he stared him down. He stared him down. He did. And when you took it, even (laughs) taking that stare down at a very obviously favorable angle for Usman, he wasn't as big. Weight classes exist for a freaking reason. We're here talking freaking a month ago assholes 
and you're going to know who I'm talking about. We're like, if I weighed the same as Islam, I'd have won. But that extra 10 pounds made all the difference in the world. And we're just going to pretend that the 45 pounds of difference between Usman and Jamal Hill would not be substantive. This is nonsense. Though It was nonsense from the jump. It's nonsense now. He can go to middleweight. That's fine. Alex Pajera is already an enormous middleweight. That's plenty for him to chew. Amazing. Jed said before we got on, I don't know if I have a lot of fire in me, but it came out. His face actually got a little bit red. That's because we brought up the really dumb, what if he goes up to light heavyweight, which is just the stupidest <laughs> thing. The day it happened, it was just like, this is, oh, uh, uh, good God. Incredible. All right, love well, let's move on. Let's let's move on to a, to another big and fascinating fight on this card. The point for round two goes to Mister No Gray Area. That was a, that was a nice little rant. Oh, get him fired up! There he is. One to one. It's too nice one to a one. day outside to be mad. <laughs> That's very true. It is very nice out uh, in our neck of the lovely. woods. Lovely, great Freaking golf weather. Play. But you know who likes to play golf? Justin Gaethje likes to play golf, but he won't be playing golf on Saturday. No, no, no. He'll be locked in a cage with Rafael Fazeev because this fight is happening and it is glorious. It's just one of those fights that you just keep saying out loud to yourself and telling your friends about, saying those names aloud, and it just gets better and better. And it's the co-main event for Saturday's UFC 286 event. And this fight is something else. Jed, I know you like this fight. What word best describes Justin Gaethje versus Raphael Fazeev and why? Ooh. You know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to take it back. I'm going to take it all the way back. Uh, this is, oh, I can't say that on air. Never mind. <laughs> this is dope. This is dope. Uh, this fight's dope. Um, look, I don't know. I, I know Gaethje said yesterday that he's the most exciting fighter in the history of UFC. And uh, I was surprised at how little pushback that got, not because it's false, but because people love to be contrarian about stuff. But like most everybody kind of seemed to be on board with it of like, yeah, that's actually fair uh, because it is like, it's totally true. This man joined the UFC in 2017 in his six years with the promotion. He's had three fight of the years and one of those years he also had the number three fight of the year in the same year like he has been responsible for like in his 10 ufc fights or whatever he has like 12 bonuses or something dumb like it is the man has never never even come close to being in a boring fight he simply doesn't know how to do it and on the other end of it I don't know if you guys know this. Fazeev's on quite a bit of a heater as far as fun shit goes down. His last five fights, he's either gotten performance of the night or fight of the night. Like I don't. This is this is about as as guaranteed excitement as you could possibly get. Like there's the only fight, honestly, that I would be more confident in would deliver something incredibly cool. Is the one fight I've asked for for six years at this point of Gaethje versus McGregor. It's the only fight that I could be more certain would be a fight of the year contender. But this is when, when Gaethje said at media day, like, 
I don't not to be arrogant or whatever, but basically I've won fight of the year every year since I've been here. And I'm really excited to fight a guy who I think can give me another opportunity at that. Like that's not bragging if it's true. And that's what we're in for. Like there is every possibility that this is just the fight of the year for 2023. And I'm here for, it. I'm more excited for this fight than anything else this month. And as we know, this has been an excellent month of fighting. Brian, what's your what's your word to describe this fight? It's gonna be technique. Don't sweat the technique. Uh, listen, I am all over Vazeev in this fight. I gave my pick on the Anakin Florian. Kenny and I are on opposite sides. I just think when you look at Justin Gaethje, he's more focused on this week, at least from the presser. Yeah, he's the most exciting fighter in the world. You know, he's doing this. He's one fighter. But let's talk about winning. I know he's he flirted out there. He's like, hey, I'll fight Poirier, but I think I deserve a title shot. For one win over Chandler, like, you know, I mean, you're not fighting active enough. You got, you know, dog walk by Khabib, beat Chandler. Then every time Oliveira touched you, you got put to the ground. Fazeev, I think, might be the best striker at 155. And a lot of people during narrative this week when they're breaking this fight, they keep going back to the Bobby Green fight. Oh, he faded in the Bobby Green fight. He threw over 100 punches in the Bobby Green fight. He also went five rounds RDA knocked him out in the fifth round. This guy, I think, is legit, and I think people are sleeping on him a little bit. I think this fight is going to be action-packed. I'm also a little worried about Justin's ability to take a shot anymore. Can he do it? Because he got put down multiple times by Oliveira, which, listen, Oliveira is one of the best in the world. Don't get me wrong. But it was pretty easy for Oliveira to put him down. And uh, I I just think Fazeev is on another level. I think his technique is great. I think you got the junkyard dog and and Gaethje. He's got the more dog in him. But I think Fazeev, man, this guy's technique is is good. I mean, the only loss he has is uh, spinning back fist by Mustafa a million years ago out of nowhere. Um, I, I'm 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 with Jed. This is the fight I'm looking forward to the most, and uh, I, I got a strong lean on Fazeev here. I got a I got a couple couple shackles on him myself. So um, yeah, don't don't sweat the technique, boys. Jed, are you with him on that, or, or are you on the other side of the the betting window? Period. I'm not with him on the people are sleeping on the minus 225 favorite <laughs> Phil Fazeev. Like, <laughs> not really sleeping on him when you're a comfortable should, betting favorite. Minus 430 the way I look at this fight. I think Justin's done. Okay. He's done. He's done. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think people are sleeping on him. Uh, he's the not prohibitive, but a comfortable favorite. Uh, look, logically, that's the correct way to approach this fight i too have concerns about what justin gaethje's chin looks like because he said it himself when he came to the ufc he was like i can't do this forever this this has an expiration date and when it comes it will probably come fast uh and yeah every time he got touched he basically fell over against Oliveira. but Oliveira tends to have the ability to do that so it's suspect not convicted at this point in time uh i can't pick against Gaethje just because I he's done so much good good violence in my life like I it feels morally wrong to to bet against this man uh so I am not betting uh, on on Fazeev basically as a uh moral imperative for me but <laughs> if I'm looking at a way for Gaethje to succeed in this fight I think that he does have a real path here. And part of it is I have a firm belief that Trevor Whitman knows how to prepare, knows how to attack weaknesses and and kind of move forward. And Fazeev has a couple of flaws, the primary one being he will get drawn into brawling. And you mm. should just never do that with Justin Gaethje. Like 
even though you might win, you're going to come out the worst, worst for it. Like it's, it's just not the way to approach this, but he's willing to stand in there and do that. And he has been oddly susceptible to body works and kicks, which Gaethje himself, very susceptible to body works and Fazeev is probably going to rip to the ribs a ton, but he gets hit back a lot. And the times we've seen Fazeev look the most impressive were largely when fighters weren't willing to engage with him in like a pure let's let's get after it, you know, Muay Thai fight. That's when he actually hasn't like the Bobby Green fight, less about the fading, more that he he was fighting that whole fight. It wasn't the RDA fight where RDA was largely getting stuffed on takedowns and then getting tuned up on the feet. So I think that there's an avenue for for Gaethje to Gaethje up this fight real, real ugly, and then it'll just be sick. And Fazeev might still win that fight. Like, it, that's totally a possibility. But I don't think this is going to be Gaethje getting t- taken to school like I've seen some people read this fight. I think this fight's going to be ugly for stretches, and it's going to be great as a result. Both guys can breathe out of their nose. Gaethje is like the first time he's been able to breathe out of his nose in like a decade. So that's going to be very interesting to watch. And, you know, Fazeev's going to be probably going to be better. The chin will probably be better. Breathe and your mouth's not open. Yeah, your chin will be better. Yeah. There you go. Um, Obviously, Brian, this is a massive fight for for both guys. Massive for the division because Gaethje is a player always and people love him. The UFC Mm -hmm. loves him. Even throwing him into title fights does not seem crazy because people just love Justin Gaethje and the UFC does as well. And he's been finishing two out of three. Both were title fights, mind you. He has the win over Chandler sandwiched in between. Another fight of the year. And Mm -hmm. Fazeev is just a friggin' monster. He's another exciting guy surging up the ladder. Huge opportunity. Like we talked about, he's pretty sizably favored to win this fight. So... Not we're, we're not talking about like your opinion or, or your betting or anything like that. If you are the commissioner of the UFC's lightweight division, what do you think is the best result for this fight? A Gaethje win or a Fazeev win? There's two schools of thought. I'm just going to go with my gut instinct and say a Gaethje win because he's so exciting, right? I mean, Fazeev is a guy that is still kind of on the fringe. A lot of hardcore people know him, but some, you know, some of the, I'm going to use the C word here. Some of the casuals might not know him all that well. You know, he hasn't been platformed all that well. And Gaethje's a guy people know. I get people who know nothing about the UFC go, hey, did you say that Justin and they mispronounce his name fight, you know, with Chandler or whatever. Um, so I think it'd be beneficial, but he also can create like a log jam because are him and Poirier going to fight again? Is that going to happen? Who's going to win that? You know, we've seen Gaethje fight Khabib. Is he going to fight Islam? Does he get a shot in the title? You know, there's a lot of variables there that where it could, it could be some old blood clogging up the top there, whereas Fazeev's a new blood. That would be interesting to see, but there's more of a following and more of a must-see aspect with Justin Gaethje that I think the UFC is going to be like, oh, we can ride with this guy for at least a little bit longer. I think he's 34, 35 years old. I know the type of career he's had, he might, it might wrap up a little sooner than normal, but I think he's got at least three, four more good years in him where they're going to have must-see TV uh, titles or not. They can put him in there with anybody. And like Jed said, him and Conor McGregor, if they ever cross paths, I mean, that, that that's going to be a, a fucking blockbuster fight. Jed, now Brian is fired, is, and you're the new commissioner. It's a hostile takeover. Do you agree with him, or is it the other way around? Uh, what was the original question? <clears throat> Sorry. If you, <clears throat> doing something what's, what's the – you being the commissioner, the new commissioner of the UFC's lightweight division, what is the best result for this fight, Gaethje winning or Fazeev winning? 
Oh, Gaethje winning, for sure. For sure, for sure. It's easy. <clears throat> um, it gives us something to do with Dustin Poirier, which I think is pretty important. <clears throat> the, sorry, I've got something in my throat right now. It's been fun. Uh, Fazeev, <laughs> Fazeev would fight Poirier, but Poirier will never fight Rafael Fazeev. Like, that's... He wouldn't fight Benny Dare. He's not going to fight Rafael Fazeev. So, but if Gaethje wins this, the is a very clear path at that point. Like Benil Dariush, if he can get past Oliveira, gets the next title fight, and Poirier and Gaethje can fight it out. The fight of the year. They can run that back. We've been waiting on it, and this time it will be for the uh, the title fight. It will be essentially a number one uh, eliminator, right? So. The easiest, best big business for them is certainly to have the guy people love and adore win the fight, particularly when it sets up into so many other things. Whereas if Fazeev wins, the question is what happens to Fazeev? He's probably not getting a title fight um, unless like a lot of things break really well for him. And none of the people who will be ranked above him will, f- will fight him. <laughs> so it's just – then he'll just be there and be like, all right, I guess I'll fight Armand Sarukian or whatever. Like it's – it doesn't work for Fazeev winning is much more complicated and the outcomes are, are much less marketable. It's obviously Gaethje winning. You don't think you think if Fazeev just has this friggin' all time classic with Poirier and he gets him out of there that Poirier wouldn't be excited for that fight. I think that, no. I think he would take that fight. You don't think so? No. It's a different style than Dariush. Like Dariush, she's going to have to scramble and do all sorts yeah. of different things. But I feel like Fazeev kind of gives him the kind of fight he wants. It's less about the style and more about the name of the dude he's fighting. But doesn't he get a nice name if he beats Justin Gaethje? I don't know. I, I genuinely have no idea that he gets like a huge boost from it. I mean, he will get some, but it's not the same. Like... Look at the dude. Who who were the guys that Dustin Poirier has fought recently? He fought Michael Chandler, an enormous star. Oliveira for the belt. I'm not even sure he would have fought Oliveira, not for the belt, but obviously the belt there. Connor twice, and that's really the demarcating line. Since the Connor rematches where he won, Dustin Poirier leveled up in stardom, and his fights were for the belt and the next best thing. And then the other fight that was pitched that made sense was Nate Diaz because Nate Diaz is an equivalent level star. If Fazeev wins, he is not in the ballpark of that. He wouldn't even be a Michael Chandler star, probably. So I just don't think Dustin's going to take that fight. Like, it's maybe. It, it will be more likely than if he loses, certainly. But I don't – I think he would take the Gaethje fight if Gaethje wins. I'm not at all confident he's taking the Fazeev fight. Fair. That's why we have the show. We talk these things out and we look at – we have different perspectives here. But – uh Jed, how bad is a loss hurt Justin Gaethje? Because I know you guys talked about it. You get you had a roundtable about is it how bad is it? Because it hurts, obviously, but I don't. His title aspirations may be fading away if he loses this fight. Oh, they're gone. I don't think it. Yeah, but I don't think it changes people's opinions when they see a poster and Justin Gaethje is on there that he's about to fight. I don't think the reaction changes all that much because they know what they're going to get from this guy. Uh, it won't change the fan perspective at all. No one is going to care because if he loses, it will be exciting and violent. And if he wins, it will be exciting and violent because that's who Justin Gaethje is. It wouldn't totally shock me uh, if he retired after a loss. I'm not saying that that will happen, but I think it's 
very much in play if he loses here because the title aspirations will be done. There, there will be no viable path back to the belt in a lightweight division that's getting younger, uh, getting better, and it's still just impossible to make headway, as mentioned before. So he would then just be in the, I'm just going to continue to put on my kind of fights against people. And I don't know who, I think he's a little more open to just scrapping uh, than, than Poirier is at this point in his career. And so I'm not entirely sure who that would make sense for. I mean, there would be plenty of fights that you could just match make that I'd be down for. Uh, give me, you know what would kick all the ass in the world? Justin Gaethje versus Jorge Masvidal would rule shit. Um, like there, you could do a, a number of those kind of fights, cross cross weight classes, just scrapping it. You you know what else kicks ass? Justin <laughs> Gaethje, Max Holloway. That fight is fight of the year. I guarantee it. I would bet a substantial amount of money that if you match those two dudes up, fight of the year. He might hang around just because the Connor fight might still be there, depending on how the Connor Connor and Chandler goes. And that is still the that's my nirvana. It's the only thing I ever want from this sport. But it also wouldn't shock me if he says, "Hey, I've I now have five knockout or five losses on my record. Four of them are knockouts, and one Habib Habib me." So, you know, uh, I've just taken too much. I can't get back to the title. I've sacrificed enough future health. I'm going to move forward. I suspect he'll stay in the round, but uh, honestly, the the most fun part of his career can be post a KO. But any of his legacy defining runs like that you know getting in a true undisputed belt that will be gone forever i love how justin gaethje like all these years back was like i only got like a punch card full of wars left and then like six years later he's like well i've only had one i'm like what the hell are you talking about he goes no it's just the charles Oliveira fight that was the only war i've had since i said that I'm like none of those other fights you consider wars no not the chandler fight no don't consider that a war. It's insane. I can. Uh, what if you? He, yeah, it's wild. He's cut, he's cut from a different cloth, man. <laughs> which is why, like, I won't even be that sad if he loses. Because, like, if he wins, sure, we get fight of the year with Dustin Poirier. They run that back. If he loses, we get fight of the year with Max Holloway or fight of the year with Jorge Masvidal. Like, there's just no bad. Ant- there's no wrong way to eat that Reese's Mike. He's the best. Ryan, what happens if Gaethje loses this fight? Uh, I think it depends how he loses, right? So if he gets knocked out, that'd be two fights in a row now where his chin has looked susceptible. And I know he's going against an elite striker, so that's that's here said. But then then all of a sudden, all these you know Homer Simpson things start throwing up, like oh you know he's taking a lot of wars. Um, but there's plenty of fights for him. I mean, Max Holloway, like Jed said. I mean, and Poirier's not coming off because Poirier's sitting on that top of the Conor McGregor money. He's on the McGregor Mountain money. Not coming off that until something intrigues him, you know. And, and Gaethje might intrigue him. Gaethje might want that Conor McGregor money. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he retires either. But the problem is, I think if he retires, I think Bare Knuckles is going to become knocking on his door and offer him a shitload of money. And I feel like a guy like Justin Gaethje cannot turn that down. Uh, plus, he probably loves that, you know, just loves the idea of fighting someone Bare Knuckle. But, um, yeah, there's a ton of fights for him. He's still marketable. He's one of the guys that doesn't have to win. He just has to show up and perform the way he does. Uh, he's never been in a boring fight ever. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, if, if he gets knocked out, I think there's going to be some questions about maybe his chin, his durability, and, and his longevity in the career, which he has referenced several times throughout his career. Um, but if he loses, like, a weird decision, then, I mean, yeah, who knows? But I don't see that happen. I mean, Justin Gaethje doesn't fight to a decision. So 
yeah, I think it's the way he loses and then and a million options for him. I don't think he's uh, he's going to have a problem finding a fight. Cannot wait for that fight. Let us move on. Uh, Jed, do you have anything more to add? No, Justin Gaethje rules. Uh, inside. Yeah, you had, you had, you had mean, a look on your face. I thought you had more to say. No. No, just he's awesome. You remember when Chris Lytle uh, like actively made the decision after he lost his like title fight or whatever, or not title fight, but he lost to Matt Sarah. He was mm-hmm. arguably robbed to get a title fight, and he like spoke openly about it after. He's like, "Yeah, uh, so I realized I wasn't ever gonna get a title shot, so I just became fun as shit, and uh, I wanted a bunch of bonus money, and I my kids go to college now. Uh, yep. I want that for Gaethje." I want Gaethje has already sort of made that calculus, but now if we really remove the title fight at all, I'm talking myself into being really comfortable with a loss is what I'm saying. Because a a Justin Gaethje with absolutely zero Fs to give (laughs) for whatever Fs he's had now, that's what I'm here for. Give me late career Justin Gaethje fighting Drew Dober. That will be insane. (laughs) You know, like just do that. Yeah. Drew Dober getting ready to fight Matt Frivola. How about that? That's Frivola. a freaking banger. It's going to be fun. Look at Jen Just as long as we don't that. have, as long as we don't get like Gaethje versus, then no disrespect to him, but you know, I love Matush Gamrot. I, that's the fight I'm the least interested in watching that Justin Gaethje can do. Like, don't give me power grappling. Let's, let's do the thing right, guys. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on. The point for round three goes to... Despite an emotional hedge from Jed Mishu, it goes to Brian. It's two to oh. one. Oh, okay. All right. Here we go. You took us on a journey, Jed, and you know how I appreciate a, a good journey when it comes to, to talking through things. So, Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Uh, let's, let's put a put a bow on the UFC 286 sort of preview here on BTL. Uh, Jed, we'll start with you here. How do you grade this card as a whole? We have the title fight. We mentioned the co-main event. It's sandwiched in between two pretty stacked cards. 285 was like the card of cards with the return of John Jones. So much buzz behind that. I feel like there's a lot of buzz on 287. There's some buzz here for sure, but I feel like this is, and I don't mean this disrespectful, this is the less casual appealish of the three cards here. So uh, what are you grading this as a whole? B minus. Um, 
certainly not bad. The main card is very good. So if we're just looking at the main card, that number gets bumped up a little bit because the main event has such intrigue. We just talked about the co-main event and all the great things that are coming there. Um, and the other fights are relevant. Um, they might not be the most interesting. Um, Marvin Vittori, Roman Delize is obviously very good, but if Vittori Vittori is all over him, that's not something most people care too much to watch. Uh, Gunnar Nelson's going to run right through Brian Barberina, so it will vary. Your entertainment will vary there. And then a women's flyweight bout that could be a tough hang. Well, I mean, we'll see. It could be fun. Could be a tough hang, but the main card is at least relevant fights. that matter. They're good fights. Well-made. So it's, it's a good main card. This card is doing a lot of living on the main card and living in the market. Um, 15 fights is a lot of fights, even though we're getting an early start time, still a lot of fights. And there's just, there's some chafe here, man. It's just what it is. Um, not all of these fights need to be happening. Some of them, that it feels like a lot of this is happening because people wanted to fight in London. And so they're trying to get their bang for their buck there. You're going to get a lot of fights and many of them, many of the undercard fights have something at least about them, but they, they lack the, the heft to make me stand up and be like, this is appointment viewing starting at 1 PM on Saturday until midnight or however long this infernal thing is going to run. So the main card is very strong. It's a, it, it gets a, a B B minus uh, because they're just a lot of fights and not all of them are fights that get, get you, get you up, you know, Brian, what's your grade? Yeah, I'm going to give it a B plus just slightly above Jed there. I, you know, the undercard is, is stacked full of England talent. Christian Leroy Duncan's a guy I've been, Keep my eye on for a while. I'm really interested to see how he performs against Dusko. You got Lerone Murphy against Gabriel Santos. I think that's a great fight as well. And I'm really intrigued by Marvin Vittori versus Roman Delice. Kind of weird beef. They got something going on. They used to train. I don't know what's going on. Delice's a fun fighter. He looked great against Romanson. Marvin Vittori, impossible to get out of there. As a betting standpoint, A+. plus. I, I, I have a lot of sides I like on this Obviously, the co-main main event's good. I mean, we got the main card's great. Jennifer Meyer versus Casey O'Neill. Casey O'Neill coming back from the injury. A lot of question marks there. I agree. I think Gunnar Nelson's going to butcher right through uh, Brian Barbarina. And then, you know, there's some there's some English guys on there. You know, Muhammad Mokayev is, is an interesting guy, talking a lot. Jake Hadley, talking a lot. Uh, there's some fun English talent over there. The the the, the prelim portion is very cage warrior a lot of cage warrior stars, some contender series guys. And then the meat, the meat of the card, I think, is good. But I'm going to go B plus um, just because I'm really interested in some of these fighters as well, see what they see what they bring out. Christian Leroy Duncan, again, is a guy I've been hearing a lot about. I mean, it's been a while since someone from Cage Warriors promotion has come out, you know, with this hype that he's got. With the He's only 7-0, and so uh, it's interesting. But, yeah, B-plus. Jed, true or false, you have a – I have not listened to Obed's Bard yet. I'm planning on listening to some today. Is there a Chris Christian Duncan prop? Oh, there uh, sure is. Here? A Duncan parlay. There are two Chris Duncans on this card. How do you not <laughs> how how do you not parlay the two Chris Duncans on this card? Like this was this was a chef's kiss moment. Uh, respect to Sean Shelby and Mick Maynard for this one because if you have we may never get this again. We may never get a fight card with two Chris Duncans on it again. So you had to for sure, Mike. You know me so well. <laughs> I knew it was coming. As soon as he mentioned Christian Leroy Duncan, I'm like, oh yeah, there's another, there's a Chris Duncan there on the two Chris Duncans on the card. 
Jed's definitely pulling these up. No doubt about it. Uh, real quick, real quick, uh, 30 seconds or less. Brian, I'll start with you. You mentioned Christian Leroy Duncan. We'll, we'll go a little deeper here because he's a guy you've been high on for a while. What's the low-key fighter to watch on this card? So Christian Leroy Duncan's one of them. I'm really interested in Sam Patterson as well. I, I, I feel like he's got a big number next to him. He's a huge, tall, skinny guy. I don't think he looked great in the contender series. And it's almost like I want to fade him so bad, but I think he's going to win with this chunky number that he's got. But this is a guy I'm going to look for in the future. Either he's better than I think, or he's a little weak, and I think people are going to maybe play him up a little bit. He's an interesting guy there. I think Jack Shore going to 45 is interesting. Coming off the Simone loss, I think he's a guy to look out for too. And then Mohamed Mukaya, I mean, minus 800, 22 years old, 23 years old, starting beef with everybody in, in, in London town right now. Uh, you know, he's got a, a decent little test in front of him. Let's see if he goes out there and actually delivers an exciting fight or or maybe if he just relies on his wrestling. But uh, the main guy I'm looking for is Christian, Christian uh, Leroy Duncan just because I, uh, I think he's something special. Jed. Uh, I think I am going to go with Sam Patterson, actually, to maybe to play devil's advocate. You never know. But uh, on No Bets Bar, great program. Make sure you go listen to it. Uh, we had a couple of guests this week. One of them was Alex Richings, who works with MMA on point. Uh, I believe he's doing the watch the UFC's official watch along because Jens Pulver's doing something else this weekend. Uh, getting fitted for a suit for his Hall of Fame induction, maybe. But uh, we had Alex on, and Alex, UK guy, was super high on sam patterson was talking him up i didn't put a lot of time or thought into this fight frankly um because why would i uh but he was like yeah no sam everybody over here sam patterson is he's i mean he's got attributes to uh steal a phrase from conor mcgregor big big dude and they he was super high on on what this kid can can achieve moving forward so he sold me um particularly with the rest of this car where some of these matchups are interesting or whatever like Jake Hadley, Malcolm Gordon will probably be fun, but especially this week, it's just like, man, it would be a lot cooler if Jake Hadley and Muhammad Makai were fighting. Like that mm-hmm. would make a lot more sense. And I'd be way more interested in that fight than both of them fighting guys who I don't really care about. So in the absence of stuff like that, um, you know, I'm always down to watch Shai Herbert get busy because he's going to win or lose in funny fashion. Like he's he's going to do something really cool or have something really cool done to him. Just ask Ilya Tapuria. <laughs> So, you know, I'm cool with that. But I, I think Alex kind of sold me. I'm like, okay, if if you guys are this big on Sam Patterson, let's let's see what he's bringing to the table. I'm excited for the return of Lerone Murphy finally getting yeah. back into the cage. First time in yeah. like a year and a half for him. So finally Dude, gets Gabe a fight. Santos and, can fight too. Yeah, it's going to be a good fight. Big, legit guy, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a fun Let's see it. Let's see how he looks. I'm I'm very excited. Somebody's always got to go. Mm-hmm. So Dude, let's, come uh, on. You know we're all the most excited to watch Makwan Amir Khani gas out after four and a half minutes. <laughs> That's the wait. It like clockwork. I can't wait. It's probably gonna happen. So yeah. All right. The point for round four goes to. Jed Mishu, it's two to two. We know what that means. It means it's time for the knockout round. One question oh. will decide it all. Neither of these gentlemen know what the question is. 
I thought of it like 10 minutes ago. I was like, oh shit, I need to think of a knock around question. And I think I just have the perfect one. Writing gimmick, it's the perfect question to go. So how, Jed. How do you not think of a knockout round question when you're literally making the, the topic matter? How is that not like part of you making the subject matter? For this I had like, well, Connor, like I had ideas and then Connor was on the MA hour and I was like, well, maybe something will come from that. And then I didn't think anything would land here and then i'm like i gotta think of something and i usually find something as we're going along but now but i have it i have it i know where i'm going with this uh so jed you have the prerogative but this is gonna be one of those funky questions okay you can decide (laughs) you can decide whether you want to go first or last or if you want to choose the 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 surprise door the secret door i will go second I will go second. You're gonna go and, uh, second. So you're gonna yeah, choose the door? I'm no, I'm not choosing the door. I'm okay, going so you're second. Gonna go second. I'm choosing to right. go second. Yes. All right, so Brian, you're gonna go first. Yes. Uh and you get to choose the door here. So you could choose right. door number one or door number two. Always door two. Always door two. Okay. So part of the MA hour, great program. Uh Francis Ngannou is on the show. Francis mm-hmm. Ngannou is on the show. And when talking about his MMA career and his aspirations, says this is down to two. There are two very serious offers on the table that he is considering. One is from one championship. The other is from the PFL. So you are no longer Brian Petrie, Brian. Yes. You are Ray Seffo, the man behind the PFL. It's choosing day. You have one minute to make your final pitch to Francis Ngannou to sign him to your promotion because today is the day he's going to make that decision hypothetically. So one minute on the clock. Ray Seffo, sell France Ngano on why you should go to the PFL. Go. Here we go. Hey, I'm Ray Seffo. Mike, by the way, I wanted to say your deadlift uh, pitcher, you're looking yoke, my guy. Uh, anyway, Francis, come over to PFL. The heavyweight division is weak. You want a million bucks, you can have it with not even breaking a sweat here. I mean, who do we got in the heavyweight division? Not many people. You come over here, we'll give your family all free t-shirts that they already have in Cameroon because, you know, we sent a a custom uh, bundle out there. You can have all those. We got you a million bucks right here. You can go box Tyson Fury, which I think is a bad idea. Don't do it, but you can go do it get a couple million that way come back knock out some cab drivers get a couple more million dollars what we're talking about here is money francis you want flexibility we can do that you want to go to the wwe we can do that you want to go bare knuckle we can do that the pfl is your home you can do whatever you want here and the best part is you will be a millionaire for not a lot of work bam there you go thank you mr Sefo. and jed that makes you the great Chatri Sitjotong. You are the man behind one championship. Francis has heard the pitch from the PFL. And now it's the last ditch effort. It's the final minute of, of your opportunity to get Francis and Ghana to sign with your promotion. One minute on the clock, go. Francis, is this even a question? I don't look, we're we're talking about signing with the one B promotion in the world. You know, we sure the UFC's one A, but we're we're right there with them. Billions of viewers, your brand through the roof. Think of all the new fans you can make with our sort of reach and exposure. And on top of that, I'm not here to talk trash about the PFL. Love their product. But they have a very unproven market. They've got a, a pay-per-view model. How, how comfortable, co- comfortable, confident can you be in that? 
we'll pay you a million bucks to fight every fight. I don't need you to beat up uh, who Bruno Capeloza to get the mill. And you can fight real guys, Arjun Buller, uh, Anatoly Malikin. And most importantly, PFL's talking about flexibility. That's what we do. You want to do kickboxing? Boom. Muay Thai? Boom. Grappling? Boom. Boxing? Hell yeah, let's rock it. Put this man in Lupini. Let's go there and let's knock some heads off, Francis. <laughs> very spirited sales pitches from, from both guys. Very, very good. Well, I, I mean, I, I, and you, you were smart. In, in my to, defense, to... I had billions of viewers on my side. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it's almost like a cheat code right there. So, uh, the thing is, I don't make this decision. It's up to the peeps that are watching right now. So there should be a poll up in the MMA fighting uh, chat. So cast your vote. Is it Brian or is it Jed? There's the vote now. Little signal right there, and this kind of puts me in a position where I have to waste a few minutes while you guys vote. So uh, the press conference is going on right now, but we know how those press conferences are. They're usually not all that interesting and fun. Uh, so the good news is you didn't have to watch it live. We will have it in its entirety and just crystal clear imagery uh, on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel in a little while. So check that out. Tomorrow, I mean, we're officially on the road. We have, I believe we're going to have a weigh-in show. It's going to be bright and early in the morning for the live weigh-ins. See if all these fighters can make weight. See who doesn't make weight. There's usually a little bit of drama on the scales. We'll have a heck of a morning, 10 a.m. tomorrow on the 10 a.m. Eastern on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. Preview show, 2 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, a little bit earlier. Uh, so we'll have some fun previewing the car. We'll be live for that. And then Saturday, my happy ass is off to New York first thing in the morning. Watch party, 5.45 p.m. Eastern. Before that, we'll have People's Pre-Fight Show, 12.15 p.m. Eastern time. We do have an early start time. And then, of course, we'll have the press conference. We'll have the post-fight show after the card wraps up. And then AK and I will be back live Sunday morning for a special live edition of On to the Next One uh, to do some matchmaking. Jen? Who do, who do we think's missing weight tomorrow? There's 30 fighters on this card. We're not getting a clean one. And I'm looking at the list and I'm trying to think who would be the funniest would obviously be Leon Edwards. I don't think that has any chance of happening, but it would certainly be the funniest outcome. Oh my God, dude. Veronica so, Hart. Oh, she's been out for a while. Oh, yeah, that's a good that's one. That's true. Hardy I, think Je- I think Jennifer Maya is yeah, how you were around. Uh, on, you know, Houston is. Uh, I'm going to say it, it, and this is not a disrespectful thing. This is just timing. Um, Gabriel Santos taking this fight on short notice. Wouldn't shock me if he came in a little heavy, but yeah, I don't know. Bar- I don't know. Bar- I hope Bar- the answer is nobody. Real short notice too. Barbarina is yeah. on like pretty short notice, but I don't think he should have trouble with it. Gabriel Santos might actually be the right choice. I think that's a good feels pick. Like, yeah. That feels like a pretty good one. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll get like, multiple. Barbarina thinks he's going to fight every weekend now, so I think he's like always in fight shape and ready. He's to fight. also not he's like an, an, he's not enormous. Fight. Like he's not like a huge welterweight. So mm-hmm. um, this dude wanted to fight freaking Shafkat on a week's notice. He was like ready to go. Down to clown. He's down to clown. How could you not? <laughs> bam, bam. Respect, brother. Respect. Casey, hello. Uh, thank you for producing this fine program. Do we have a winner? Is this? Uh, is this something we can shout out to the world or are we inching closer and closer to a 50-50? Is, is there a draw in play for this one? No draw in play, but the fans have spoken. We have a winner. Okay. All right. All righty. 
your winner today with 60% of the fan votes <laughs> is... Oops. <laughs> well, I'll do it one more time. I didn't get the pull drum roll. <laughs> your winner today with 60% of the fan votes is... Jed Mishu. Oh, Jed gets it done. Congratulations, Jed. It was a, a great God, battle. Strong closing round. Yes. That was that was more of a bowling ball rolling down the lane than a drum roll, uh, but excellent sound <laughs> effects right there. So, Jed, congratulations. Um, you get 30 seconds to talk about whatever you want to talk about, and why are you choosing Fight Circus in their upcoming event? I'm going to choose that in a second. The first thing, uh, if you haven't listened to this this week's, go listen to No Bets Bard. On top of our usual stuff, we also had uh, Andrew Collins, the guy who turned $1 into like $430,000 at UFC 285. Talk to him about his big bet, five, five prop parlay that paid out enormous odds. So make sure to check that out. And then into this month, Mike, Fight Circus is back. We're getting Siamese boxing and on one half of it, one party in the Siamese boxing is Bob Sapp and Quentin Rampage Jackson wearing an oversized <laughs> shirt together. They're boxing John Nutt and some other dude, not entirely sure. It's it's the stupidest, best thing. Siamese boxing is legitimately hilarious and I enjoy it the f few times it's happened. So I'm very much looking forward to watching a heavy looking Quentin Rampage Jackson tied up with Bob Sapp and just winging them. It's going to be great. Oh my God. Uh, Fight Circus is the sports. best. Combat sports. Just what, what an incredible time 2023 is. So, all right. Well, thank you for joining us, Brian. Uh, I appreciate you jumping on any final words for the peeps. No, just go check out Anakin California podcast. We're on the DraftKings channel. Now I'm the handicapper over there. Great show, great people. And uh, that's it. I appreciate you guys having me on. I, re I really had a lot of fun. And uh, congrats to Jed, man. I want to sign with one FC now. Thank you, Jed. <laughs> Don't we, we all. We got a lot of fans in the world out there, you know? <laughs> yeah. We're 1B. 1B, yes. babe. <laughs> if we can get the billions and billions, let's do it. So, Casey, you can hit the music. We are done. Uh, strap in, everybody. It's going to be uh, quite a busy next few days here on MMAfighting.com, and we hope you will join us for the entire ride. So for Brian, for Jed Mishu, Casey on the ones and twos, I am Mike Heck. Back next week to recap it all right here on Between the Links, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn. Maybe, maybe not takes you home. Good night, everybody. This has been Between the Links, an MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network. Love y'all. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts.